The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. I'm so glad that you're here. This is incredible. When we came to look at this venue a couple months ago, I imagined it packed out just like this. So this is awesome. This is an answer to prayer. Thank you guys for being here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah Blunt, and my husband and I pioneered New Song Church here in Oklahoma City just uh, a little over a year ago, actually. We're celebrating two years in Oklahoma City when our family moved here. Next week, we'll have been here for two years. And I just want to take a moment. I know a lot of girls in here are from New Song. Let me see some New Song love. Where are my New Song girls? Yay. And there's a lot of you that I've never met before, never seen before. And I just want to take advantage of this opportunity to invite you. You can go to our website. It's newsongpeople.com. You got to experience a little bit of our worship team. How about David and Aubrey? Can you guys just give those guys... That was, that was incredible. I was sitting there thinking, like, how can we have church here every Sunday? Like, we got to make this happen. It's just they were so good. Worship was great. So uh, come out and visit us. I, I truly believe, we say this all the time, and I believe it, that we have the friendliest church in the city. So if you're looking for a church home, come and check us out Sunday mornings at 1030, all right? Well, several, several months ago when I started to plan for this event, um, something that kept coming up was location. Where are we going to have this event? Because we're a year-old church, we're still a mobile church. We actually meet in a school every Sunday, and it works great for Sundays, but not so much for women's events. Like, I needed something pretty, and, and it's hard to get an elementary school really girly and pretty. And so we've had our past events off-site, and they've been great. But as I started to plan for this one, I just felt like the Lord kept saying, you got to get a different location. And so one afternoon, I spent two hours on Google looking for venues in Oklahoma City and Edmond. And I got so frustrated because I wasn't coming up with anything. I actually called my husband and was like, listen, maybe we shouldn't even do this fall event. Like, I can't find a place to hold it. And then I came across the barn at the woods. I saw the pictures and I fell in love and I thought, if this is anything close to what the pictures are like, then we've got to have it here. So we came and we did a tour, we fell in love and we booked it. And as soon as that happened, everything else fell into place. And it reminded me that the old saying, location is everything, is true. Location absolutely is everything. When we, when we picked up our lives in Texas, packed up our lives in Texas and moved to Oklahoma City, we prayed fervently that God would help us find a place, a home in the right location because location is everything. We knew that the location of where, of where we, we, we had our home would determine where our kids went to school. It would determine where we pioneered the church. It would determine who we were in community with. Location is everything. My dog, Ellis, we surprised our kids this summer, we have three little kids, and we, we surprised them with a little miniature schnauzer. And his name's Ellis, and he was supposed to be their dog, but he's totally my dog. I love, I love Ellis, and I am his favorite. And every night, we put the kids to bed, and then me and my husband get in our room. We have this great living room, great couch. We always just go to our, get in bed when the kids go to bed. So we get in bed, read books, watch Netflix, whatever, and I'll bring Ellis with me until it's time for him to go to sleep and get in his crate. And, and he knows that location is everything because he'll spend about 10 minutes on our little queen-size bed trying to find the perfect spot to lay down. 
because location is everything. We've got birds, sea turtles, butterflies that migrate thousands of miles every year because location is everything. We've got fathers that dish out thousands of dollars for their little daughter's weddings because location is everything. This is why Chip and Joanna pick the worst house in the best neighborhood because location is everything. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Location is everything. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Now tonight, we're going to look at a river, a river that Jesus talked about. It's a river of living water, a river that can bring dead things back to life, a river that cleanses and cools, refreshes, heals, and restores. A river that makes everything around it green and lush and beautiful. A river that can bring joy to entire cities. A river that never runs dry. And since we've established that location is everything, we're going to talk about where this location or where this river is located. But before we get into these verses, I kind of want to set this up. I want to give you where Jesus was at when he talked about this river, what was happening. I need to give you the details. We're women. We need details, right? This helps us to understand kind of the, the weight of this verse, of these words that Jesus is about to speak. So Jesus is at a festival, a big festival. And in the Old Testament, God gave his people, the Jewish people, seven festivals. And these festivals were all designed to point people to his plan of salvation, to remind him, to kind of tell the story of salvation. They're really cool. If, you, if you're looking for something to study, study the seven festivals that the Jewish people had and what they represented. So Jesus is at one of these festivals. It's the Festival of Tabernacles. And this is said to have been the happiest of all seven festivals. And here's some things that took place, okay? At this Festival of Tabernacles... It was a week-long party, like a week-long celebration, and it was kind of like a big family campout because everybody that was in on this festival, they would build little temporary huts. So they'd, they'd get their stuff together, they'd have leaves and branches, and they'd make these little huts, and then they would live in those huts for the, the duration of the festival. So they're camping out, they're celebrating, uh, and, and, and just kind of having a good time. And these huts would remind them that God was the shelter for his people as they traveled through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. So I, I've got some pictures. I think, Casey, if you want to put up that slide, this is kind of like what those little temporary uh, places looked like. So they'd have green, green roofs and grass roofs, and they kind of hang out in these huts. Another part of the Festival of Tabernacles was the water drawing ceremony. And as I was reading about this ceremony, it was just super interesting because it says anyone who has not seen this water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. Sounds like a pretty remarkable thing. And what it was was at the beginning of every morning of this festival, a priest would lead a parade. Anybody ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? We love Disneyland at our house. We usually go once a year. And more than the rides, uh, more than meeting the characters, one of my favorite parts is the parade. I love a good parade. It's just fun and everybody's excited. So Imagine these people, they're, they're, they're on a parade to this water-drawing ceremony. There's flutes playing, people are praising, they're rejoicing, and they're following the high priest who has two pitchers in hand. And in one pitcher, pitcher he's got wine, and in one picture, pitcher, he's going to draw some water, hence the water-drawing ceremony, out of a pool, and then he's going to take these two pitchers and he's going to pour them over the altar. 
And as they pour over the altar, they stream down the altar out into the outer courts. And people go nuts. Like it says, if you've never seen this ceremony, you've never seen rejoicing in your life. They go crazy. Like their team just won the Super Bowl or like their Cubs finally won the World Series. They go crazy over water. Why? Why is this such a big deal? Well, for us in America, water is, is something that, that we just turn on the faucet and it comes out magically. Some places you don't even have to turn the faucet. You just put your hands and water just magically flows. But it wasn't like that in the Middle East. In fact, Jerusalem had no major water source. They had no river running through it. So they were very, very aware on their dependence of water. It was life to them, and they knew that God had to provide water for them to survive, for their crops to, glow, for their crops to grow. So this ceremony was, was them thanking God for his, how he had provided for them over the last year, and it was them asking God to do the same again this year. So this is where Jesus is at. He's at this ceremony. He's at this festival, okay? And uh, it, it's interesting because when you read in John 7, it says when he gets there, he doesn't really want to be seen. He comes in secretly. He doesn't make a grand entrance and say, I'm here. He's kind of sneaking around. I imagine him darting in and out of these little huts, maybe even in disguise. And as he's walking around, he can hear grumbles and complaints about him, people calling him a fraud, a fake, a liar. And then when he feels like the timing is right, I love Jesus. He's just so cool. He gets up at this tabernacle and he begins to preach. And he begins to proclaim that he is the Messiah. These grumbles, these things that people were saying, they, they didn't stop him from, from getting up and doing what he was called to do. And so as he began to preach, people began to believe what he was saying. And, and, and the religious leaders that were there at this festival, they began to hear people saying, I think this guy's the real deal. Like, I think this is the Messiah. And they started to get furious, and they wanted to have him arrested. But if you read in John 7, it says that the arresting officers couldn't physically lay a hand on Jesus. Why? Because it wasn't his time to go yet. It wasn't time for him to be arrested yet. So there was something physically restricting these men from even being able to put their hands on Jesus because he had more to do and he had more to say. And here's what he had to say, okay? John 7, 37. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival... This was the last festival that Jesus would publicly attend. So this was the last time that he would address many of these people. I want you to get tonight the weight of these words. So it's the last day and the greatest day of the festival. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now that's not usually Jesus' default tone, a loud voice. But here he wants to get people's attention. And here's what he says. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Everybody say, within them, within them. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, the Greek word for within means out of his belly or out of his inward most being. Aren't you glad we didn't go with that for the name of the event? <laughs> out of his belly, a night at the barn. Within, it's, 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 it's the same image here. Within, innermost being, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So the location of this thirst-quenching river that we're going to talk more about 
that Jesus was shouting about is within whoever believes in him. Now look at verse 39. John gives us a little more explanation about what he's talking about. What, what is this river? It says, by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here Jesus is shouting, standing, the last time he's going to address many of these people, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit that had not yet come because he had not yet been glorified. He hadn't been crucified, buried, resurrected, glorified yet, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit that would come and that would dwell in us. Now, after Jesus did go to the cross and conquer the grave and, and, and walked out of that grave, he met with his disciples before he went back to heaven and, and took his place at the right hand of the Father. He was talking with his disciples and he, he told them about this amazing arrangement. He said, listen, guys, I'm leaving. I am going to heaven. I'm going to sit at the right hand of my Father, but don't be sad because I'm actually going to send you something, someone even better. It's, it's going to be a better arrangement. Trust me. Now, he wasn't saying this to, to just soften the blow. He wasn't saying this to just make the disciples feel better about him leaving. He was speaking truth. He was speaking about a helper that would come, a promised helper. And he came, the Holy Spirit came. You can read about it in Acts chapter two. The disciples are at another festival and it says that the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind. It hit me this week as I, as I was reading and studying for this message that the Holy Spirit was rushing. I love that. Like he was in a hurry to get to us. He was in a hurry to do what he was called to do, what he was created to do. He could not wait to be with us. He was rushing to come and he's rushing to be in your life today. And I want you to think about location again. And I want you to think about all of the different locations that God could have picked for the Holy Spirit to come and live. God created this beautiful earth. He knows where the most beautiful place on the earth is. He could have said, here, Holy Spirit, you live here. He could have said, okay, New Testament church, create another amazing temple. And it needs to have this many stained glass windows and it needs to be intricate and beautiful. And that's where I want the Holy Spirit to live. He could have picked like a little quiet cabin in the woods, but that's not what he had in mind. He wanted something a little less perfect. He wanted something that came in all shapes and sizes, all shades of color. He wanted something that was made in his image. And so when he thought of where he wanted his Holy Spirit to live, he picked you. He picked us. What an honor, right? I'll show you this. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple? Say, I am a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. And then Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Write this down. Right there by location is everything. Write this down. The Holy Spirit is within me. Rivers of living water are within me. I want you to get a fresh revelation of this tonight. Last year, my grandma Wagner passed away. She was an amazing grandma, like textbook grandma, the kind of grandma that had orange Tic Tacs in her purse always. 
Werther's Originals and her candy dish, always. Homemade chocolate chip cookies, like you could show up totally unannounced, homemade chocolate cookies, right? Homemade chocolate cookies would be waiting for you on the cabinet. Shower caps on rainy days so her perm does not get messed up. <laughs> little tiny feet that always were in little tiny leather shoes. Um, she loved the prices right. I remember going over on sick days and, and she loved the prices right and was so good at the prices right. And, and she had coupons for everything. Like, everything she had a coupon for. I remember once going, riding the bus with her, going to Homeland, and like, this was before like the crazy coupon shows, and she would just like shock the cashiers at Homeland, like, how did you do this? She was an amazing grandma. She loved the Lord. She left a huge legacy. Now, a couple months before she passed away, she had to move out of her home, and she still kept her home, but she moved out of it, and she moved in with my parents, and they became her caregivers. And, and a few months before uh, she went to be with the Lord, she told my mom, listen, there is a Cool Whip container at my house. It's under the sink in the kitchen, and it's got some cash in it. And I just wanted you to know it's there. And so my mom's like, okay. She goes to the house a couple weeks later. She's checking the mail and uh, just checking in on the house, making sure everything's okay. And she remembers the Cool Whip container. So she goes into the kitchen opens the the drawer under the cabinet, and sure enough, there amongst a bunch of cleaning supplies is a little dirty Cool Whip container. She pulls it out, she opens it up, and there's some cash in it. So she proceeds to count the cash, and there was $50,000 in that Cool Whip container. $50,000, I kid you not. Now, when my mom told me this, I was shocked. The first thing I thought was, couponing is where it's at. I have got to start couponing. How did grandma get $50,000? My grandma had a lot of money that nobody knew about. But, but the other thing that came to my mind was, what if she never told anybody about this? What if she had passed away in her sleep and, and, and nobody knew? And the, and the person who came and bought the house after, or maybe after she dies, we're cleaning out the house, and we just tossed the Cool Whip container. That money would have gone untapped. Nobody would have known it was there. But because she told my mom where it was located, my mom was able to get it and put it in a safe place place for my grandma. Now, this is your Cool Whip, cool whip container moment tonight. I am telling you, I'm telling some of you for the first time, and I am reminding some of you where the Holy Spirit is located. It's located in you. And you need to know where it's at, because if you don't know where the Holy Spirit lives, then you can't tap into it. You can't access it. Just like if we didn't know that money was there, it would have, it would have gone untapped. Now, now that you know that it's there, now that you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you need to know how to activate it because it has to be activated. Now, imagine that my grandmother um, decided to will that $50,000 to me. She didn't, but let's say that she did. <laughs> and I take that money and I deposit it into my checking account. And then the same week, I get a, check, a new check card in the mail, new expiration date or something, a new check card comes. Now, in order for me to access that $50,000 that I've deposited in that checking account, I have, to, I have to activate that credit card, that check card. I have to call the number in the back, punch in the little code, and I have to activate the check card. Because if I don't, even though I have $50,000 deposited in my checking account, I can't buy a $5 latte with that check card until it has been activated. The Holy Spirit has been deposited in you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but you have to activate it. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Matthew 3, 11. 
Matthew 3.11. This is kind of like the number that you call in on the back of that check card. Matthew 3.11. And actually, let, let me say this first. If you've been born again, if you've, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then you have been baptized into the body of Christ. You're a part of the body of believers. Some of you have been water baptized. Many of you have been water baptized. That's where you, um, you, you make a public declara declaration that you have been raised to new life in Christ. And then there's a third baptism, and that's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to show you here in Matthew 3.11. All right? This is John the Baptist talking. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon. He's talking about Jesus who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then I, I, I just have to read this to you in the message because I read this for the first time in this message this week and I was just like, I was at All About Child just like clapping, like this is so good. It says, Jesus will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He wants to ignite the kingdom life within you, but you got to activate it. you got to ask him, and here's how you do that. You just pray. You ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You believe that he does, and then you receive it, and then you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If some of you... Um, Tonight, we're, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that later tonight. If you've never asked Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll have an altar ministry team. You can come and pray. And if there's some of you right now that your hearts are just stirring and you want to activate this, I'm telling you, you can right now under your breath say, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And he will come rushing into your lives. Because he, he's excited. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be the helper that Jesus promised he would be. Now, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 10 years old at a church camp. Uh, I went uh, a couple summers in a row, and um, I, I remember, like, going up front. Uh, I really went up front because I thought the camp counselor was really cute and <laughs> would do anything just to kind of be in the general vicinity of the cute camp counselor. But I went up and prayed and asked to receive the Holy Spirit, and I did. And, and they said, do you want to speak in another? Do you want to get the gift of tongues? And I said, yes. And so I prayed in tongues, and... and um, and I could tell that I got filled with the Spirit. There was a change in me. Even a 10-year-old, there, there was something different about me. I remember bringing my Bible to school and sitting on the curb at recess and telling my friends about Jesus and inviting everyone that I knew to church with me. Like, there was, there was a difference. There was a change in my life. But I didn't realize what I'm about to show you until I was about 20 years old. And, and I want you to get this tonight. It's Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. It's going to be up on the screens. It says, this is a verse that says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the original Greek there, be filled means keep on being filled constantly and continually. I didn't get that as a kid. It was kind of just like a once and done and real excited and then like fizzled out. And I didn't really grasp that. I had to keep on and continually be filled with God's Spirit. I love this. When, when the greatest evangelist of the 19th century, D.L. Moody, someone asked him uh, why he said he needed to be continually filled with the Spirit, and he replied, because I leak. Because I leak. You can write that down tonight. I leak. Some of us who've had lots of kids, we leak more than others, okay? 
but write that down. I leak like a basketball or a bicycle tire or even your car tires. You don't fill them up once and they stay full. We've got to continually fill those things up so that they can do what they've been called to do. Until we get to heaven, guys, we're going to leak. We're going to run out of gas. We're going to need to be recharged. We have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I like to think about life as a big Monopoly board. Any Monopoly fans in here? Monopoly is a huge deal in my family, huge, huge deal. Um, every year, my mom and dad hold a Monopoly tournament at our home in Tulsa. And um, I have a huge family. I'm one of seven. All of us have tons of kids. So every February, there's like 40 people. We gather in my mom and dad's tiny little house, and we spend an entire Saturday playing Monopoly. There are elimination rounds. There's qualifying rounds. There's cash prizes. There's door prizes. There's a trophy. It's a big deal. I think we're going on like 14. Did we say 14 years? 14 or 13 years. And I'll have you know I'm the only one in my family who's ever won three titles. So, Yeah. It's not, Monopoly is not like a luck thing. There is strategy involved, and I am really good at Monopoly. So, um, but the last time I played, I was the first person out, and that's never happened. Everybody was kind of like, Sarah, what, like, we were expecting more of you. Like, what's, what's, what's wrong? Uh, but I'll tell you what happened. I had a strategy. I was working the strategy, but I could not make it around the board. I could not pass go, and if you don't pass go, you don't collect that's right. And I needed that $200 because I kept landing on stuff. I kept landing on property tax. I kept landing on my brother's railroads who happened to own all four stupid railroads. And so I was running out of money. And so finally I was out of the game. I could not pass go. Listen, we have got to pass go daily. We have to let God deposit in us daily because if we don't, we're going to go around the board. Things are going to come up. Storms are, storms are going to come up. We're going to get cards that don't go in our favor. And if we don't make time to deposit, to, to let God deposit in us and for him to fill us with his spirit daily, then we're going to get out of the game sooner than we want to get out of the game. You're not going to have a perfect game. You're going to land on stuff you don't want to land on. There's going to be storms. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. But you won't get knocked out if you've got the Holy Spirit full in your life. So we've got to make time to connect with God and have him fill us daily. Actually, uh, I, I was thinking about this this week. I, I, written this, I wrote this message two weeks ago. And um, the day after I wrote it, I had one of those days where I woke up. I had a great morning with God. I had spent time connecting with him, praying, reading my Bible, felt full, felt ready to take on the day. But about 3 p.m., I was empty. You ever have those days where you actually can feel yourself deflating? Like you can feel joy leaving. You can feel strength leaving. You can feel peace leaving. Well, I was having one of those days. I, was, I had a ton to do, a huge to-do list, and I was not checking anything off my to-do list, which drives me crazy. And my daughter was supposed to be napping, but she wasn't napping. And for some reason, it was like 100 degrees in November. And so my office was hot, and I'm hungry, and I'm just... I just frustrated, having a bad day. And so it's time to get the big kids from school. Nothing's marked off the to-do list. So I slam my laptop down, just kind of like, nobody's there, but I just want to like, I'm mad. Like I just, and as soon as I did that, I felt the Lord say, hey, remember that message you wrote yesterday about how you need to be filled and how we leak? You got a pretty big hole right now. You might want to plug that up. And I said, okay, I hear you. 
I get it. And so I put Jake and the Neverland Pirates on for my daughter. And I had about 10 minutes before I had to get the kids from school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to plug this hole. I'm going to do what I know I need to do to get full again. So I went and got in the shower, turned on praise and worship, and just worshiped worshiped my butt off until it was time to go get the kids. And I could feel myself fill back up. I could feel the joy come back. I could feel the strength come back. I could feel the peace come back. I could feel the kindness come back into my life because the Holy Spirit was filling me. I love this in Ephesians 5.18, the, the verse we just read that says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The very next line, there's not even a period. It's a comma. Be filled with the Holy Spirit comma, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you start to feel deflated, when you start to feel that stuff, that good stuff that God brings with him, when you start to feel that leaving, you start to feel like you've got a big hole, here's what you do. You sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself. You make music to the Lord in your hearts. You give thanks. Don't be a pity party girl. Let's be a praise party girl. Amen? Amen. Because I'm telling you, praise party girls are so much more attractive and magnetic than pity party girls. No one wants to get in on your pity party, but they want to get in on your praise party. You want to be the kind of girl that people are saying, I'll have what she's having. What's going on in her life? How is she continually so happy and full of joy, even when her life isn't going the way she wanted it to? Be a praise party girl, not a pity party girl. I want to give you three quick things tonight to do when you start to feel deflated. The first is pause. Pause. We're busy. We're movers. As women, we are moving all the time. We are working. We are serving. We are loving. We are helping. We're always moving. But when you start to feel deflated, when you start to feel empty, pause. Even if it's just for 30 seconds, don't keep going this way. Pause. Never underestimate the power of a pause. You pause and then you pray. You pray and you say, Lord, help me. Help me in this moment. Help me. And then you praise. Like it says, sing psalms among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. When, I, when I'm talking about praising and singing, I just, I just want to show you something the Lord showed me. Uh, this was several months ago and I was having one of these moments and I thought, I know, I'll fix it. I'll put on some worship music. And so worship music was playing in the house, and I felt like the Lord said, hey, you can't just listen to Bethel worship. You can't just listen to Hillsong worship. You need to worship. So when I'm talking about praise here, I'm not talking about just turning on praise and worship music and listening to it. I'm talking about praising, letting praise come out of your mouth, okay? Sing songs and, and that, you know, look up the lyrics on your phone and sing along. Make up a song, sing in the spirit, Praise him. So pause, pray, and praise. So now we know. We know that location is everything. We know that the Holy Spirit, that God picked us for the Holy Spirit to live in. We know that we have to activate him by asking Jesus to baptize us in his spirit. And we know that because we leak, we have to continually be filled with the spirit. We have to continually say, God, pour your spirit out on me. Now let's go back to John chapter 7. Let's talk a little bit more about this river. 
John 7, 38, I want to read it to you in the Amplified. It says, he who believes in me, who adheres to, who trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Now, we're going to look at Ezekiel 47. This is in the Old Testament, and this is a vision that Ezekiel had, and it's actually called the vision of the living waters. And what we have here is an angel that appeared to Ezekiel, and he walked him through this vision. And I'm going to read you just a paraphrase of it, but I encourage you, write Ezekiel 47 down and go back and read through it. And when you read it, think about the, living of, the rivers of living water that are in you, okay? So here it starts in verse 1. Now he brought me back to the entrance to the temple. Who's the temple? We are the temple. Remember, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I saw water pouring out from under the temple. Uh, the water poured from the south. He measured the depths every 1,500 feet. It started as ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. And little over a mile, the river grew so deep that no one could possibly walk through it. Then he took me to the riverbank. I noticed a lot of trees on both sides of the river. If you've ever seen a, a river with trees lining it, the trees are always gorgeous. He told me that the water flows to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it's so salty that the fish and the sea creatures cannot live there. It's dead. But he says, when it empties, when this river empties into those water, the sea will become fresh. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Great schools of fish because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. Where the river flows, life abounds. Fishermen will stand shoulder to shoulder along the shore. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds. The swamps and marshes won't become fresh. They'll stay salty. But the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Their leaves won't wither. Their fruit won't fail. Every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river that flows from the temple to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is the picture of the river of living water that's in me and that's in you. This is what it looks like when you are living a spirit-filled life. This is what it looks like when you are aware of the, that God's spirit is living in you, when you realize what an honor it is that God chose you to be a, king, a carrier of the kingdom of God. God put this river, God put his spirit in you for you. This river is absolutely for you. It's for you to drink from. It's for you to get refreshed in. It's for you to draw nourishment from and strength from. It's to, to move good things into your life. It's to push bad things out of your life. This river is for you. It's to bring you joy, to bring you peace. But I want you to know tonight that it's not just for you. The, the scripture says, it, it didn't say that rivers of living water will flow through you. It says rivers of living water will flow from you. When that priest uh, poured those pitchers out on the altar at the water drawing ceremony, it, it flowed out from the temple into the outer courts. This river is not just for you, it's for others. I couldn't say it any more beautifully. My friend Brianna actually sent me this quote when she found out that the name of the event was going to be uh, within. It's from the famous poet Henry David Thoreau. It says, what lies before us and what lies behind us are small matters compared to what lies within us. And when you bring what is within out into the world, miracles happen. Listen, we've got this gift in us. 
We've got this, this Holy Spirit, this amazing helper that God's put in us. He's deposited in us. We activate it. It's for us, but it's for others. It's for those people in your circle. It's for the people in your family. We've got to let what's within us come, without, come out of us. You notice in, in that Ezekiel 47, it says, The swamps and marshes won't become fresh. When, when there's no room for that water to move, when the water's not moving and flowing, it becomes, it, it, it doesn't, the, the trees don't grow. The, the life doesn't abound there. It says that they'll stay salty. You're not called to just keep this little river right here within you. It'll get salty. It'll dry up. It won't do what it's supposed to do. You've got to let it come and flow out of you. Two weeks ago, um, I was so excited to announce that we were going to become the blunt party of six, blunt family party of six. We have three little kids, and we found out that we're expecting baby number four, and we were so excited. And I had my friend Phoebe come over and do a photo shoot. We had like this perfect little picture of our family at dinner gathered around with a little high chair and a balloon. And then my husband turned it into an announcement that said, blunt party of six coming June 2017. And we were so excited. And three days later, after I had shared this news with our kids, they were pumped and shared the news with everybody out there in the social media world. I had to come back and share the news that I had miscarried. And I'll be honest, it was devastating. It took the wind right out of my sails. Like, it was a complete shock. Um, Didn't understand it. So confused. I'd, I'd been through something similar before. We had lost a baby at... 20 weeks, I had to deliver my son, Felix, stillborn. So I'd been through this kind of loss before, um, but it still hurt. I knew that God would, would, would get me through it. I knew that, that he would turn this sad story into a happy story. I knew it because I'd seen him do it before, and I knew that he's faithful and he'd do it again. But it still hurt. It, it was still very hard um, because I'm not superhuman, you know? I cry like you guys. I hurt like you guys. And when, when the going gets tough, I have to dig in, just like you guys. I have to, to, to access this, this power, this comforter that's within me. I have to stir it up, just like you. It's not just there, the shining glory, because I'm a pastor's wife. That's not how it works. I have to dig in and make a choice, just like you guys have to do. Um, so I'm thankful for, for this river within me, but I'm also thankful that I have friends that have a river within them that's flowing out of them. I'm thankful for my friend Aubrey, who, as soon as she found out, went to war for me in prayer. She prayed and prayed and prayed for me and sent me texts and checked up on me and gave me words that the Lord had given her that he had given me. And so it just confirmed what the Lord was saying in my life. She didn't let that river stay there. She let it flow out of her. For my friend JJ, who's here from Tulsa, she was all over it. Like the minute she heard, she's texting me and, and she's just a warrior. And the words she said were so good and healing. So many of you in here, Tamara, Courtney, my mother-in-law, so many people were there letting their river pour out into my heart, bringing healing to me. We have a river within us. It's not just for us, it's for others. You have a river within you. Let's look again real quick at just... Some of these things that this river within us is capable of, uh, is capable of. It makes trees to grow and line the riverbanks. Listen, you've got seeds planted in you. 
There's a seed in you. There's several seeds in here. There's potential in here tonight. There's seeds in here. And this river, when you activate it, it helps those seeds grow. There's people in your life, your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers, they've had seeds planted. Maybe somebody, maybe there's a grandma out there that has been praying for one of their grandchildren to get saved, and it's one of your friends, and there's a seed there. And when you let that river of living water flow out of you into their lives, that seed sprouts. We have the ability to make these trees grow because of the Holy Spirit within us. It makes the dead sea fresh and filled with living things. There are people in this room tonight that have areas in their life that they've pronounced dead. Dreams that they've pronounced dead. Relationships, emotions, things in your life that that you just think, that's dead, that's over. But this river of living water makes life abound. It produces life. Where the river flows, life abounds. This river wants to bring that stuff back to life in you. There's people in your life that you need to f- pour into them, people that, that are going through some, some, some tough stuff where, where, where they've got things that are just dying. They're not growing anymore. They're dead. They need that river of living water to be spoken over them, to be poured out into their life. The river unites Christians. One of my favorite things in Ezekiel 47 is the imagery of, of the fishermen standing shoulder to shoulder. Listen, ladies, there are a lot of fish that need to be caught for Jesus. And this river unites us. This river, when, when we get these, these rivers within us flowing out of us, there's a, great, there's, there's a great harvest out there that we can harvest together, standing shoulder to shoulder along the banks, just bringing in the lost for Jesus. That is exciting. That river is within you. It grows fruit trees of all kinds. I think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This Holy Spirit that's in us, this river within us, helps that kind of fruit to grow in our lives, to grow in your workplace, to grow in your homes. This river sustains us physically. It says that the, that the trees, their leaves provide healing. There's people in this room that need healing tonight, physical healing. You're going through something physically, and you need healing. The Holy Spirit within us, he wants to bring healing into your life. Maybe there's people going through, not physical uh, hurts, but, but just emotional healing. You need some emotional healing. You've gone through some tough stuff this year. You've got some deep cuts, some deep wounds, maybe even things in your childhood, and you need healing. This says that that this river produces trees whose leaves have healing in them. There's healing for you tonight here. The joy you need, the strength you need, the wisdom you need, the peace you need, the healing you need, it's within you. The everything that you need, everything your neighbor down the street needs, everything your spouse needs, everything your child needs, everything that this city needs, everything that this state needs, everything this country needs, everything the world needs, it's right here. It's within you. It's within you, but you've got to let it flow out of you. I'm going to invite the, van, the band back up. Gideon, if you could come up. The Friday morning, uh, it was two weeks ago. It'll be two weeks ago tomorrow. I woke up, and I knew that... 
my body was about to miscarry, that I was about to lose this little nine-week-old embryo that I had already fallen so deeply in love with. And I laid there, and I was scared to get out of bed. I, I, like, I, I knew it was going to happen. It just, I guess as a mom, you just know. And so I laid there, and I turned some praise and worship music on my phone, and I just asked the Lord, asked the Holy Spirit, what now? Like, what now? What do I do now? Like, I, all these thoughts were co- going through my head. I'm going to have to tell everybody that we lost a baby. I'm going to have to tell my kids that this little baby that they're so excited about. Like, what now? And the Holy Spirit quickly, promptly rushed in to help me. And he led me to Psalm 46. And I began to read, God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains be shaken and slip into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its roaring. Selah. Pause. Never underestimate the power of pause. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. How amazing is the Holy Spirit? There's not very many scriptures that talk about her, right? This is talking about the city of God. We're the city of God now. We are where God dwells. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So when the storm comes, when troubles come, when the devil takes a shot at us, when it seems so scary, this says it's so scary that even the mountains are trembling at the sight of the storm. No matter what you're going through, no matter how scary things may look, you pause and you remember that there is a river. There is a river. I don't have to go far to get to that river. I don't have to make some long trek, some long journey to get to this river who brings joy. This river is within me. And because this river is in me, I will not fail. I will not fear because God is in the midst of me. In verse 10 of the same psalm, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Coming back to the pause. Tomorrow, When your kids are acting a fool, when your boss is being a jerk, when your grades come back and they're not what you thought they were going to be, when you get a bad diagnosis, when you have an epic fight with your spouse, when things don't go the way that you planned, when you're not marking anything off your to-do list, when you're frustrated, pause, be still, Selah, pray. Ask God to fill you with his spirit. Don't just let that hole keep pouring out. You plug up that hole. You pause. You pray. Say, Lord, pour your spirit on me. You activate it. And then you praise. No matter what you're going through, circumstances don't have to be perfect for you to praise because God is perfect and he's he's worthy of our praise no matter what circumstances we're going through. So don't wait to feel happy. Don't wait for the feelings to come. You praise right then, right there. Out of your mouth, you begin to exalt him. 
Tell him how good he is. Tell him how thankful you are for all that you've done. And he'll fill you with his spirit and you'll go on and you'll be victorious. And you'll do all that he's called you to do. A river of living water is in you. A river that can bring dead things back to life that cleanses and cools, that refreshes, heals, and restores. A river that makes everything around it green, lush, and beautiful. A river that brings joy and gladness to entire cities. A river that never runs dry. A river that God has strategically placed in every person in this room that's a believer in Jesus Christ. So you get that river flowing. You sing songs of praise. You get in the word. You worship him. You stir up that river. You tap into that river. You let it heal you. You let it nourish you. And then you let it flow out of you and have miracles happen in the lives of people around you. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.